0: FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. Alongside columnist Jeff Calkins and pick and pop columnist Chris Harrington, here's beat reporter Ron Tillery. All right, welcome into this long overdue edition of our Grizzlies b- Podcast. Uh, I'm Ron Tillery alongside Jeff Calkins and Chris Harrington. And, um, a lot to unpack, obviously, since it's been a while since uh, the Grizzlies have actually won a couple games in a row, and since we've actually discussed the state of this season, and let's just start with the obvious um you know there's a lot of talk, and Chris you've written about it, it's all over Twitter about tanking, and then there's the there there are the comments let's let's start with uh, j b who says, I think we've gotten much better, and then you've got Markansas who says. We still have half a season to turn this thing around. Where do you guys fall on this? I mean, it it just seems so obvious that the season is lost, right?
1: They're not making the playoffs. I mean, I I personally had pulled the plug when they lost that home game against Miami. But I think for, for any reasonable, from any reasonable perspective, when they lose both those games at Phoenix twice, and then you look and they're like, you know, seven, eight back or whatever and five teams to pass and Mike Conley, maybe he'll be back, but he's not back tomorrow, right? Right. Um, I just, the math doesn't work for them anymore. They're not going to make the playoffs. And so my position was always try to make the playoffs, but if you reach a point where that's not going to happen, you got to figure out what you need to do to make the rest of your season meaningful. Like, what are your new goals? Once you, once the playoff goal has been removed for you, like what's your new goal. And that's sort of where I come from. To me, to me, I don't even find a huge disconnect. There might be a
2: disconnect if, when Chris Wallace talks about it, but if Mark talks about it, or if the coach talks about it, they're supposed to be trying to win. They're supposed to be optimistic. They're out there every day. They gotta play games and suit up and look for improvement and minutes and whatever. They're not supposed to say, um, hey, the season's lost. We're, you know, we're just trying to catch the hawks and that's gonna be tough. Cause uh, you know, that's so they're saying what they're supposed to say and what maybe even at some level they're supposed to believe. Now, if management is acting like that, I think, and they might be, like that's an that to me is the more interesting question, whereas management on this, both in terms of, of how they are bringing players back from injury, and particularly ultimately whether they bring and how they bring and when they bring Mike Conley back from injury. Secondly, how they deal with the trades and possible trades and that sort of thing. Third, really player deployment is also another part of it that could be a discussion between management and coaches. That's where you want, Management to be, I'll say it loosely, in on the tank, or, or just looking at the larger picture. I think is the is the more constructive way to say it. And so I don't mind Mark and and JB saying that, as right. long as management isn't saying that. And that would be
0: the place where I would have concern if I have concern. When I listen to JB, as I did yesterday, it's almost veiled, you know, because you know, you don't have management out front. You know, the history of this franchise has always been the coach has to be this person. And then, right. int- interestingly enough, the coach gets in trouble sometimes for what, what he says. But JB says, well, we're not bad for two quarters now. Now we're bad for two minutes. And, you know, it's kind of like these little small victories that indicate that they've moved on. Right? I mean, and yeah. how you take that? I mean, like, because that doesn't sound like a guy who's coaching for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think at this point, and this is sort of what I try to write about this weekend. I, I think you approach different parts of your roster differently for the rest of this season, and mm-hmm. so you, you want you want these young players to get better, not just whether you make the playoffs this year or not. And you're not. You want them to get better for the future. And getting better is not just about getting minutes. It's about developing good habits. And you can't develop develop good habits if you're trying to lose. Right. You may be able to develop good habits while you're losing, but you can't be trying. You know, and so. It, it, like Jeff said, it's a matter of who you're playing, who you're not playing, who you're trading, who you're who you're sitting down. But the, when you're on, when you have players on the floor, you need to be trying to execute well and trying to win games because you you're trying to build good players and good habits in these players.
0: Yeah, and and to JB's credit, and to your point, he he has not let up on that. Like, he's not just playing guys. to be playing them. Like, in the, in the game the other day, Davis, right? I'm going right there. Yeah. I mean, like, he was just he was just a dog out there. You know, it's like, ooh, if, if you're not going to try to get rebounds, come sit next to me. And that's exactly what happened. Right. And you, you should know? be teaching that. <laughs>
2: sure. To me, the interesting question is, and I did I know the answer to this, too, is that if you accept the season is lost, um, well, first of all, how, how aggressively is does management have an eye on the on the upside-down standings? Like, that's that that's the question. I want them to. I want them to have an eye on that. But then secondly, the question, and I, I do know the answer to this one, is, okay, if this is lost, we have different larger goals. What are the larger goals? And it's very clear to me that the larger goals are to have this down year and to be back next year, right? And to be good again next year. It's not obvious that that has to be. Like the, uh, the other the other way to say is that this run is over um, and let's rebuild from the ground up. So whatever, the, the whatever. Thing be let's, let's do the first like, right. thing. Even once you decide this is done, there are two roads to take. And it's pretty clear to me that they're going to take the let's be for various reasons a lot of them have to do with the, the nature of the contracts that they have right now. They can't get rid of Mike Conley, I can't get rid of Chandler Parsons, like, like, whatever. But then also, I think their sense of um, the market and what the market is willing to endure and whatever else they're going to do for the let's get let's be bad and and pop back um, as quickly as we can next year. I really am interested, though. I mean, is is how aggressively will they? Are they talking about trading Tyreek? Like, we're, if you want to lose games as management, right, or if it doesn't bother you, to the lose it. The best thing they could do, the quickest thing they could do, the easiest thing they could do is get rid of Tyreek, right? Because he, yeah. he does help. He's been their best player. He's been their best player. And you yank him off this team, and, it, you know, there's not a lot of playmakers on this team. And so as someone who is thoroughly watching the reverse standings at this point, who thinks that's the hope for the
0: franchise, I'd be happy if he were traded tomorrow. And you know, for a guy like saw who says he won't buy into tanking, that he won't just sit. I mean, he's not exactly helping. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's he's having a pretty poor season by his standards and by a standard set by a two time max, three three time all star caliber well, that, player. Well
1: that's the other I think the two biggest questions the three biggest questions are one, do you trade Tyreek when do you trade Tyreek? Two, do you like bring back Mike Conley? And if so, when do you bring back Mike Conley? But the third is what you mentioned last time, I think if I, unless I'm forgetting, last time we were all three together in a room within a conference room over at FedEx Forum talking to Marcus Hall, right? And he laid out this sort of marker of he wants to try to win. And that if the goals change <laughs> the goal of trying to win right now, then maybe his attitude changes. You know, a month between now and the trade deadline. And so how do you finesse it with Marcus All? I mean, he can't he can't force a trade. So you just say like whatever, deal with it. Does it does it, does that become a thing if he perceives that if he perceives that it's over? We may say it's over, but maybe he isn't there yet. But if he gets there between now and the deadline, does that become an issue? Um. Well, there's two things to that. You know, I've, I was told a couple of years ago that as long as Robert
0: Perra owned this team, there's no trading market at all. So that that just seems to be off the table, and. When you listen to Mark talk about the state of the franchise, he always inevitably goes to Robert and, you know, kind of gives you some insight into his relationship with Robert. And so he, he seems to have this this almost blind loyalty to the guy. So right. I, I don't know if it becomes a problem. I, I think he's well, all I in. I actually think he cannot be naively.
2: He knows. Yeah. Like, he's, he lives this every day. He can't be out there thinking, well— we were really trying to win tonight against the Wizards and we were really trying to win, but boy, when we start to not try to win, but what, what, what will that even look like? Like, right. like at this right. point, but I, uh, unless it comes to dealing players and I can't, I hate to say it. I can't believe that he will object if He's when, when Tyreek for example, when Courtney Lee and Jeff Green were traded, uh, there were most well, certainly the coaching staff was livid at that point. Cause they felt like they were giving up on the season. I don't think when, um, when and if, if I presume when Tyreek has traded, I can't imagine Mark is going to say, well, that you're, you're giving up me. on wintering. I think he's probably going to say, good.
0: Oh, no, I agree with that. Just to Chris's point, yeah, I don't think there's going to be this pushback. Yeah, if they say, even... Mark, okay, this the season's lost, this is what
1: we're doing. I, I, I,
0: I think he'll go along well, right with well, it. Well, this dude. is what I tried good. to press on
1: him when we had that, that little summit meeting or when he held court or whatever it was. Can he, when you talk about like there's two paths, there's like we're just going to be back for multiple years or we think we can be good again next season. Can he, can Marcus all buy into the okay, this season got away from us? We didn't want it to. It just happened. We're coming right back, me and Mike, and we're going to, we're going to be, you know, can he have faith in that going into next season? And to me, that's sort of the question. He'll, and if he doesn't, he's going to force the issue. He will never, My my guess is, that, in fact, he
2: will buy into that. That's and right. at the yeah. end of the year, he, was, he will talk about that. But between now and the end of the year, he will never en- enunciate that he believes in that, even though, in fact, he may actually believe in it right now. He'll never say it because he's wired not to say it. And even in that room when we were talking to him and he talked about, I have to believe him, I'm not even sure he really believed it then. So I don't think he'll ever say it. Right. But I do think he will, in the end, because of his loyalty, whether it's because of his loyalty to Robert or his loyalty to Memphis or whatever it is, I think in the end he he's not going to push back yeah. against them trying to do what they can to get what they can for the pieces and then
0: trying to be back next year. I want to talk about what the vision might look like going forward, but I don't want to gloss over the Tyreek thing that you brought up because right. you know clearly they're not going to be able to re-sign him. He's he positioned himself to get years and money that the Grizzlies cannot match.
1: We it, and Even if they could, it doesn't – I mean, the, 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 whatever. I agree with you that he's going to get more money than they can offer. Yeah. But what they can offer doesn't change whether they keep him now or trade him. Right. They're offering him the same money. It's a mid-level exception regardless.
0: So the idea is if the, if they have conceded, the front office has conceded that the season is lost and that we got to make some moves by the deadline to get better for going forward, what can you get for Tyreek? I said all along that I, I, I think they'll be lucky to get a first-round pick. And now there are reports that are saying that they're struggling to to get teams on board. And I understand why you might think you could get one because contending teams often say, well, we're going for it now. We don't need this late first rounder. Boom. So things could change. I almost wondered to to you guys, okay, it would be nice to get a first round pick, but do you try to use Tyreek to get a young player who you might have identified who can help you going forward? Yep. Um, With this plan, I almost wonder if that's what you should try to do. I
1: I think there's three different outcomes on a Tyreek trade. There's either you get a first round pick, you get like multiple seconds, which they got for Courtney Lee, or what you just said. You Mm -hmm. get a young player probably on a rookie contract who, you know, this contending team deems expendable to make a run right now who you think can be part of your rotation going forward.
0: Because because not only are you going to lose Tyreek, I mean, is James Ennis really going to be back here? I doubt it coin flip at best, probably. Yeah. And and so there's, this roster is going to look different next year, right. as far as the marginal well, players and, go.
1: And, and, well, there is the thing where, I mean, I think if they could get a first-round pick, they'd want to do that. But you do have your own first-round pick, which will be a top 10. And you have your second-round pick, which is going to be a high second-round pick. And you already have a lot of young players on this team so do you want to add three rookies on a roster, or could you add a player who is twenty two, 22, 23, 24 years old, but already has a year or two under their belt? Do you think it'd be good? So yeah, I think. Do would, we have a for inter- instance? Do we have anyone have a for instance
2: as to the type of player you might be able to get for Tyreek, who's a the young? If that's a description.
0: Well, well the reason I brought up Ennis is because I think you might be able to upgrade him, right? Uh, that position, you know, like because I mean he's pretty much done nothing for you. And
1: and they did invest in them. I mean, in terms the right. time and whatever, you know. And, and I, they, I mean I threw out I threw out a couple of ideas. I don't know right. what other teams want to do, but like, you know, if I look at teams that might be interested in Tyreek Evans, one team I brought up was the Detroit Pistons. They really want to make the playoffs right now. Reggie Evans is Reggie Jackson is out right now. Mm-hmm. Even when they get him back, like they could use a scorer off the bench of Tyreek Evans ilk. They have their first round pick. Maybe that something that could happen. They also have a guy in Stanley Johnson who's a top ten draft pick. Uh, uh, two years ago, who hasn't quite panned out. He's been okay, but it's not quite panned out. Is that a player you're willing to move for a big boost in Tyreek right now? And is that a kind of player that the Grizzlies, like you get him, you get two years left on a rookie deal, and mm-hmm. he's a former top-ten pick, and you, you know, I, you know, that's one example. But I think there are other players like that, guys who are maybe have two years in the league, and they're in the back end of a team rotation, but maybe they have an upside. But if a team is trying to win right now, you know, they're not as good as Tyreek Evans.
2: Right. It's funny. No one when when the when the deal happens, whatever it is, particularly if it's for two seconds or something, it will look like people. There will be fans who do not understand. Like they they just do not understand. But I think it's it's simply because they don't understand the fact that there's you can't keep them and there's no advantage to keeping them. It, it, which is I, I actually think people have struggled to shift the mindset. Maybe it's because it's been seven straight to seventeen years of playoffs. Right have sort of struggled. It's been a very interesting thing to watch people gradually make this transition to what is this year about. And a lot of people just never will. They just want to win every game, want to keep every good player, whatever else. I sort of think this is the natural life cycle of an NBA team. And when you embrace the, um, like the, the the last seven years has been really fun. There are different pleasures to this and you start it's been different because usually when the Grizzlies have been terrible, there's been good players good young players to, I mean, star quality young players. You could watch Mike Conley coming along, or you could watch Powell coming along, or you could watch Marcus Gasol came along. Last time they didn't make the playoffs, they had players who could turn into stars. They don't really have those now. But there are still different pleasures into rebuilding, and that's what I've shifted my focus to, and I got no problems
1: doing it. I mean, that seven years is the third longest active streak in the league. Yeah. And the second longest is Atlanta with eight, and they're going to be out too, right? And so it's hard to be good that long. I mean, it is – I mean, you know, I think they, they could have made it eight if Mike Conley stays healthy this year, but it is the natural life cycle. Unless you're the Spurs, like you're not you can't be good always. But let's know? not let
0: Grizzlies management off the hook because it didn't have to go this way. Oh, they've what? got they've got three max guys on this route. Oh, they screwed up. <laughs> they made some serious screw ups to help <laughs> and, it go this way. Yeah, yes. and, and, and so you know they they keep trotting Mark out there. They keep trying to give you hope that Mike will come back. So that's why this is different because when the Grizzlies were bad. I mean, they well, and and, they, signed, I mean, and, they, and they signed Chandler, and they signed Chandler. Yeah. I don't know
2: that if you went back to second-guess it, you would, no one would sign Chandler. Oh, right. I, I think, in fact, I, I'd still sign Mike, and I'd still sign Mark. Now, maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I, Mike, honestly, is the bigger problem at this point. Like he's, since he, he had, but he had a great year last year. Since you signed him, he had a great year last year. So – and I agree again, with that. I mean, what's the so what? Well, I, I don't really fault them for either of those. No, they're not your quintessential max players. But we understood that going in. The big, the big, we know this. The big problem has been missing on every draft pick and signing the Parsons. Those have been the problems. And had they gotten that right, then they might have gotten ten to twelve years. But. Uh, Every franchise gets things wrong at some point, And the fact that they had gotten things done seven years of it suggests they got enough things right for long enough or things right enough early on to, to get seven years of the playoffs.
1: We talked about the two points of that decision triangle, Marcus all, Tyreek Evans. What about Mike Conley? Like, he he spoke to me, I assume you were there um, yeah. earlier this week. Um, how does how does it was this idea of like can you get Mike back? before you lose the season. And it seems like that has now not happened. And so how does that impact whether, whether or not or when Mike Conley comes back?
0: Well, make no mistake about it. I mean, I, their medical team and management will decide if and when he comes back. That's, that's kind of the, uh, I don't know how to call it, disappointing part about Mike. He's, he's not a, a forceful Max guy who says, look, this is what I'm doing. Uh, he's a go-along, a get-along type of guy. And um you almost wonder how much of the season being lost is playing into this decision. Because, you know, we've been around him for the last month or so, watching him work out and I mean, I
1: think he could play. Well, I, I go back to what I said on Jeff's show radio show earlier this week. Go back two years ago. Mm-hmm. He was not hurt hurt yet, not unable to play hurt and mm-hmm. they shut him down. Right. Not because they they couldn't make the playoff because they knew they couldn't beat when they got there, right? And so, like, if they shut him down, then like, what's your what what is your what's your incentive to bring him back in any significant way now? I, I think well, there's well, very little incentive. The well, in fairness, that was
2: a contract year, right. so right. I think yeah. everyone understood that. Right. Let's not. Ruin his life. I mean, no, that's Speaking. So there was a little different thing. But what was interesting to me, Ron, was, and you were there for the conversation, I just saw your video of it. Mm-hmm. It was a conversation where you could grasp like any, anything you wanted to in that. Like at various times he was saying, I'm definitely going to come back. It's up to me. You know, of mm-hmm. course, I can't imagine not coming back this year. But at other times he said, and I thought this was sort of, to me, was sort of the key sentence he did mention in terms of where we are as a team, like that that will be part of the decision. It's like that, that should be part of the decision, but it was interesting. And it was after listening to that conversation for the first time, I sort of had the sense that he may not be back this year in any meaningful way. What was your biggest takeaway from it?
0: Well, um, I, I think I tend to agree with you. I, I think you could take from it whatever you want to take from it. What was interesting is, as we were having that conversation in locker room, and and the grizzlies PR people did not want to put out a, another he'll be out at least 2 weeks. They wanted him to talk. They wanted people to to feel whatever they however way they wanted to feel. But when we were having that conversation, the Grizzlies pregame broadcast mentioned that he's targeting the king game. The OK game,
1: right? Yeah. So, well that's soon. That's that's, <laughs> that's 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 in less than a week. Well, here's the, here's the other question, even beyond sort of when when will he be back this season. When we talk about okay, plan A, and I believe this organizationally be at this point, plan A, you know, we're taking one year dip, we're coming back, baby. The, this Achilles thing he's had it's it's soreness that you that you get treatment for. It hasn't gone away, and it's not a thing you surgically repair. Like, what does this mean for him? Not just this season. What does it mean for him next season? It's Is amazing. This thing just always going to be there.
0: Well, it's amazing. They shut him down, as Jeff mentioned, in that contract year. He had all those months off, came back and had a career year. Best year of no problems. Right. Had a easy summer, came back, game one of the regular season was phenomenal. Right. And then he said in this conversation that everything changed in that Golden State game, like second game of the year. Right. And he played on it sore for ten ten games or so. And it just got worse and worse and worse. So this thing is is going to be pretty unpredictable, including you just never know when it might snap.
1: Right. You know. And so that, and,
0: and, and so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And I don't that's know I a, that's that, why right? I
1: just I would I would I would go forward with extreme caution on him the rest of this season. And um, what's what's going to Chandler Parsons? Speaking of guys, well, that's
0: my goal today. The uh, right. They have a practice. <laughs> they 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 have not allowed Chandler to talk, uh, but he is supposed to be available today. So, or knee. It's uh, the knee that's been surgically repaired twice. Right. And, um, again, you might be in a situation where, see, this is where Mark's different. Right. Mark's not going to let you shut him down. Right. I can recall being on the road recently, and he had a little knee thing going on, and they were these summits and these meetings and these phone calls and conference calls. And, right. <laughs> you know, so for all the criticism I've, I've thrown at Mark, I mean, at least he has that in him
1: does it, it may not be playing playing well yeah much lately
0: but right yeah so well let's let's wrap this one up and um, any final thoughts
1: um, uh, no uh, I, uh, yeah
2: my here's my final thought I, I would like them to emerge with a top five draft pick, is my final thought like that's I, I find it I, I find it hard to imagine they will um because it's very cluttered at the at the at the bottom and and unless you get rid of Tyreek, maybe sooner rather than later, and don't bring back Mike, then I can imagine you hanging in there. Otherwise, you're going to be end up being seventh or eighth or ninth, and you're going to hope for ping pong balls. And the Bulls got lucky on ping pong balls; like it does happen, but it has not been our history here. And so, like that, to me is I am to the point where unless I'm I totally understand fans who are at games should want that team to win, when But if it's a West Coast game and they're playing the clip, play, I'm 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 truly happier when they lose, and I don't think I think that makes me, um, I, I think that makes me. Uh, someone who's cognizant and and pulling for the best thing for this team over the long haul. Beyond that, I, I you know, I'd like
0: to see Ivan Rab. I'd like, to, like right. it's about the kids and it's about that yeah. pet for me. I, you know, I, I kind of fall there now. It's like, you know, people have got to wrap their minds around reality. And that's why I keep poking Chris Wallace with his trends. Right. His team is not better. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and it is what it is. They, they are, in the bottom with the Lakers in the Western Conference. Well, and they have so many teams elite, frog, that leapfrog that it's
1: insurmountable at this point. Yeah. I mean, speaking of the Lakers, to get back to your question, you know, about what you, you know, where you're at going forward, to me there are two games left this season that are event games. You have the Lakers coming in for the MLK game, coming up very soon next week. Mm-hmm. You have Zach Randolph's first game back um, next month. Those are your playoff games as far as I'm concerned. Make those events. Make those fun. Try to win those games. Let's let's have a good time in FedEx forum in those games. The rest of the season to me is for me is about scouting, both scouting the actual players on the team. I wanna I'm looking at Deontay Davis, I'm looking at Wayne Seldon, I'm looking at Kobe Simmons, and I'm looking at, you know, Dylan Brooks and all the young kids. And I'm starting to watch college games in a way I haven't watched college games in eight years, right? And so to me those two games I, I hope are, are big events and they go all out, but the rest of the season should be about preparing for next season. No
0: doubt. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Grizzlies podcast. Thanks for listening and check out all of our coverage on commercialappeal.com and the Commercial Appeal app. We'll talk to you soon. The Grizzlies Podcast is hosted by Ron Tillery, Jeff Galkins, and Chris Harrington, and posts each week during the regular season at CommercialAppeal.com. You can also subscribe to The Grizzlies Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Grizzlies Podcast is a production of The Commercial Appeal.
1: At Jewelers Mutual, we're a little obsessed with jewelry. Obsessed like auctioneers with Talking Fast. fifty, going to Pop stars with Auto-Tune. Yeah, yeah. And dentists with asking questions so, how did he propose? after they've put their hands mm, in your mouth. What? Great. Yes, we've made jewelry our obsession for over 100 years. We love it so much, we named our kids Ruby, Amber, and Opal. Soy latte for Opal? At Jewelers Mutual, we insure jewelry and only jewelry, which is why people who are also obsessed with jewelry trust us with theirs.